For 25 years, Allen Superior Court's drug court program has fought alongside people from all walks of life in their personal battles with substance abuse and addiction. In the years since it began, drug court has graduated more than a thousand people and touched the lives of untold thousands more. The return on investment is real and life-changing. A drug-free baby, a life saved that might otherwise have ended in overdose, a family reunited after years of despair and distrust. Those who've never needed it might never have heard of drug court, so an introduction is in order because addiction touches us all. It cares nothing about who you know or what you have. Addiction is random, relentless, and ruinous. I'm John Magali, and on this episode of In Session, we're talking to the team behind Allen County Drug Court about the work they do to offer fresh starts and the opportunity to rebuild lives, careers, and families. I've got a very esteemed group on the podcast today, including our first repeat guest on In Session. On the program today are Judge Fran Gall, who oversees the drug court program, Jeff Yoder, Executive Director of Criminal Division Services, and Rachel Wagner, Assistant Director at CDS, Doug Ulmer, who's a Deputy Public Defender in Allen County, and Trina Gold, Deputy Prosecuting Attorney. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for being on In Session. Thanks. Thanks, John. So let's go right to the to the topic at hand here. Drug court was the very first problem-solving court in Allen County. Tell me from the perspective of those of you who are making it work, what drug court's mission is and who it's here to help. Well, John, I'll be happy to answer that. The drug court, well, the mission of our program is to promote abstinence, recovery, and lasting change and community safety through a coordinated response to offenders who meet criteria for a substance use disorder or an alcohol or other drugs disorder. The program combines alcohol and drug treatment with the structure and authority of the judiciary by connecting drug court participants to a wide range of services and other treatment interventions. And I will add to that, John, that the target of population for drug court are justice-involved offenders charged with an alcohol or drug-related offense, individuals who are identified as having committed other offenses to support their substance use habit, and a few years ago we started to take on technical probation violators as well. Drug Court was launched in 1997 by Judge Ken Scheibenberger. Judge Gull, you took over the program in 2002, but take us back to the very beginning. What brought a drug court program to Allen County, and how did the need and the solution come together? Drug courts were initially begun in 1987 down in Miami-Dade County in Florida when a judge there kept seeing the same offenders recycling through his courtrooms day after day, year after year. And Judge Scheibenberger at the time was in the drug division of Allen Superior Court and he was experiencing the exact same thing. He kept seeing the same offenders, the same families, everybody coming back and cycling through the program time after time after time. He went to a conference and and learned about the Miami-Dade County program and was very excited and when he came back to Allen County he met with his colleagues and determined that we needed a problem-solving drug court here in Allen County and he went to the time and expense and trouble of applying for a $400,000 federal grant to get the drug court program started so he is the father of our drug court here in Allen County. 
And when I mentioned at the top of the program that we had our first repeat guest, that's you, Judge that Gall. So me. welcome back. Thank you. I had the opportunity to speak with you earlier about juries. That's right. And we also talked on an earlier episode about problem-solving courts and the work they do to get at the reasons why people wind up in trouble. For Jeff or for Rachel or for Judge Gold, how is drug court unique? I think drug courts are unique in that they incorporate strong judicial oversight of offenders' treatment programs. You know, in my normal felony court role, I see offenders very few times as they're moving through the process. Drug court is completely different with that, where I get to know the offenders, I get to know their families, I get to know the things that brought them to the drug court program, and we have frequent interaction. I think Doug, um, as our public defender, could probably give a little insight to why did the offenders come through you to come to drug court, Doug? Thank you, Judge. Well, I was appointed to represent clients that had been referred for eligibility by the uh, prosecutor's office. My background was as a, a traditional criminal defense attorney. My first 20 years or so was as a trial deputy, and I was given this opportunity to serve as the public defender for the drug court program, which is a remarkable shift from that role. It is a non-adversarial type of model. So the client will come to see me, I'll review their case, offer them options, uh, one of which would be the drug court program. And then from there, hopefully they decide that they're going to avail themselves of the program once we've had an opportunity to go over those requirements with them. Let's talk for a minute about the nuts and bolts of the program. Who is a typical drug court client and what landed them in court in the first place? The short answer to your question, there is no typical drug court client. Addiction has no bounds. I've been working with drug court first as a case manager for several years, for 24 years now. And I've seen the clientele range across the socioeconomic strata. That was true then, it's, it's true now. So to answer that question, I would be naive to even pretend to define what a typical <laughs> drug court client is. I think the typical drug court client are the people that we see in everyday walks of life. Mm -hmm. The folks that you run into at the grocery store or at the doctor's office or at your dentist's office, they are suffering as many folks suffer from addiction. So the typical client is everybody. And you already addressed my next question. It really was, there is no typical drug court client, and they really do come from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. I've heard you talk about attorneys, teachers, pharmacists, plumbers, ditch diggers, everybody you can think of, you you might find a representative in your clients. That's, that's, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get everybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, some of the folks that we get that we see that come into the drug court, they're the ones that they, they look at us and they look at the other clients and they go, I'm not like them. Until they've been with us for six or eight months and they realize that they are them and they are just like everybody else. And I think that's one of the big things that I think that we see in the drug court program is so many folks come in thinking that they are somehow unique in their addiction, that they're somehow all by themselves in their addiction, and then they start coming to, particularly to support group meetings, you know, AA support groups or NA or CA, and they realize that there are hundreds of people just like them. And I think they are surprised that there are so many people just like them, and I think that they're gratified to a certain extent that there are other people that can relate to what they're going through. 
Now, for whoever this might be for, what does the drug court program look like if I'm a client? Testing, case manager meetings, 12-step meetings, even high school equivalency programs that your clients wind up in. What does it look like day-to-day, week-to-week? Rachel. Thank you, John. There's a lot of things that go into what all of our drug court defendants are subjected to, if you want to use that term. They have a lot of um, requirements, but it's not necessarily everybody has the same requirements. We really uh, tailor the uh, requirements to each individual and depending on their needs. So they have a lot of chemical testing. That is one of the things that we do to make sure that they're not using and to defer that use is to chemically test them randomly um, as much as possible just to ensure that. They do go do individual counseling, substance use counseling. We have them go to 12-step meetings. Some of our defendants start off in inpatient facilities for a month or so to get stabilized and then they might move on to a recovery residence with the hope that they'll eventually go um, either home or get their own residence. We have a support group meeting here at our building for just drug court defendants where they can um, meet with each other and support each other and we have facilitators that come in who are all previous drug court graduates um, who facilitate all of those meetings for the defendants and it's really a a support for them to have other people that have gone through it. There's a lot of ancillary services that we also have them do. They might, like you um, said, get uh, their high school equivalency. They might take parenting classes, theft intervention classes, pretty much the gambit. Anything that you could think of that we can provide for them that might help them, then we'll go ahead and do that. Plenty of people get arrested for drug and alcohol offenses and don't wind up in drug court. Maybe for Trina, how does a client wind up in the program? Thank you, John. The prosecutor's office, in connection with the defendant's attorney, whether that be a private attorney or a public defender, discuss whether this is an appropriate case for drug court. And if so, then the prosecutor's office makes that referral to drug court. Once the person is referred to drug court, they undergo an evaluation, and then it's ultimately up to the individual as to whether he or she would participate in drug court. Now, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn to say that incarceration is rarely where recovery happens, but an appearance in front of a judge can certainly be a motivator. A regular trip back to the courtroom is one of the intangibles that makes drug court work. At more than one graduation, clients have said, thank you for yelling at me. Why is that such a helpful part of the program, Judge Gull? I do yell. I I try not to yell. I try to keep it quiet. But yeah, I scold. And I and I think what makes the difference in the drug court program versus other appearances in court is I do really get to know the offenders and what's going on with them and I and I've heard them say, you know, they go in and they talk to their case manager about a home visit violation or about a dirty drop or missing treatment and the fear that they have in coming into court is not so much fear as it is the the fear that they're disappointing me. They don't want to disappoint me. And I, and I think in large part that's because their experience with this program is vastly different than any other experience they've had in court systems. Understand that so many of our offenders are high-risk offenders, and this is not the first time that they've been in a courtroom. They've been in courtrooms multiple times, and they've not had the experience 
of a judge or a team truly caring about what they're going through, truly investing ourselves into that individual's recovery. We had a gentleman here this morning who presented his plan to us. Um, we had a woman that presented her plan to us about going into phase three and several comments around the table were us as a team thanking the offender for giving us the opportunity to walk this journey with them because it is a journey. And I think the offenders want to make me proud of them. And in many respects, I compare it to being a parent. You know, my, my kids want me to be proud of them. My clients want me to be proud of them. And they want to come in and be able to give me a certificate that shows that they successfully completed parenting classes, for example. And they want their case manager to show that to me. So I think the, the motivator is not really jail. It's obviously staying out of jail. But it's, it's to make us proud of them. And I've heard more than one person say that to you, that on the flip side of thank you for yelling at me, sometimes in the lives of these folks, you are the first person in a long time or maybe ever who said, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they don't they don't believe in themselves. They've been told for years and years that they're worthless, that they're terrible, that they're bad, whatever. And we do the opposite. We tell them, we do believe in you. We do believe you have the ability to become a better person and to become rehabilitated. So we give them a lot of positive reinforcement to kind of really pump them up to show them that they aren't the worthless people that their parents or their families have told them for years and years. All right, let's cut straight to the chase here. How successful is the Allen County Drug Court program? How many active clients do you usually have? And how many people go on to graduate? Rachel. Thanks, John. We currently have 140 active clients, and that number fluctuates sometimes, but generally stays around the same. And I believe that of everyone that pleads onto the program to begin with, approximately half of them go on to successfully graduate. And that number is on par with other, a little higher than other drug court statistics that we've seen. We do have probably about another 140 new people will plead on every single year. Like I said, half of those usually go on to successfully graduate. And um, as of today, as it stands over the course of the program, we've had over 1,084 successful graduates. Wow. I was just about to say you had your 50th graduation and your thousandth graduate about a year and a half ago. Yep, correct. So that number keeps moving and keeps getting more and more impressive every year. Jeff, a while back you bought coffee mugs for the drug court staff that carry the hashtag life changer. Why did you want the drug court team to see that? Well, John, the ultimate credit for the success of this program goes to the participants who successfully complete the program because they're committing to their recovery. And, and as Rachel just shared, one out of two get through the program. It's not an easy program to get through. However, beyond that and beyond what the public may see in terms of numbers, we have a dedicated staff. We have a very tenured staff in drug court. And it's, it's a team effort. And it, it, you know, from the top down, from the judge down to the case manager, even down to the uh, chemical collection uh, specialists that we have on staff, we're all working together for the benefit of a client. We all have a function to serve in the program. As an administrator, I know I recognize the efforts and hard work that the case managers who, who, who are under my employ, and I view my role in part to ensure that they're making the decisions that aren't, they're not getting to a point of, and I don't like this word, but I'll use it, burnout. You know, we are an extremely intensive form of, you might liken it to intensive probation, but it is much more than that. 
I, w I would say. I, I see sometimes uh, if a case manager is frustrated, for example, you know, you got to remember we're dealing with a somewhat uh, challenging clientele uh, in the field of addictions and or mental health in general. You're going to get that, and we're not seeing clients just once a month. Some of these folks are coming in the program or coming in the building one, two times a week to see their case manager. There's nothing about the client that the case manager really doesn't know. I mean, it is that involved. I mean, again, it's for the purpose of seeing them through, keeping them within the lanes, if you will, of their recovery and their program and their case plan. Over time, you know, this that can lead to frustration or I would, I'll say challenges with the case managers. And, you know, I let them know that, you know, what they're doing is making a difference. Sometimes it's hard to see that. I was a case manager for several years. What they're doing is making a difference and changing lives. And, you know, I think because we're working with human beings, not widgets, this isn't a, a black and white type of program. There's a lot of gray area, a lot of subjective areas with case management. You know, I think they do change lives, and I think that deserves our appreciation. So why not a coffee mug with that hashtag, right? <laughs> Seems like the least we can do. And we talked earlier about Judge Ken Scheibenberger, who was the founder and the father of the program. We lost him several years ago. He passed away, but his family is still very committed to the program he started. Judge Gold, would you tell me about the coins that his family give to drug court graduates? There's a lot of meaning behind that gesture. There is. His family has been extraordinarily supportive of, of the clients going through the drug court program. And at graduations, they've been coming and giving a gift from their family. Um, they purchase and strike these challenge coins, and they represent the time that Judge Scheibenberger himself was in recovery. Not many people knew that about Kenny, but Kenny was in recovery, and he carried in his pocket when he was released from a facility. He carried a, a silver coin in his pocket, and it reminded him of where he had been and where he wanted to be in his life. And his daughter and his wife determined that an appropriate recognition of his time in recovery to recognize his the founding of Drug Court and then to encourage clients was to create a coin that they provide to us to give to every member of our graduating class every time they graduate with a little note directly from Abby, his daughter to encourage them to support them and to shower them with love and I think you mentioned this but Abby his daughter and Judge Scheibenberger's wife are usually right there in the front row every time you graduate a class they are they are um, and a couple of years ago I had found some old photographs of a drug court graduation that I gave to Ken prior to his death and that I also then gave to his daughter Abby a particularly unique part of this program is that clients share the cost. At least 75% of the program's cost is, is borne by user fees. I think that might surprise some people to hear. It probably is surprising to hear. I mean, a lot of folks think that, you know, the courts are this big burden to the taxpayers. And what people don't really understand is that there are fees associated. Now, the fees don't completely support the program. Clearly, there are, are tax dollars involved as well. But we've learned through all of the trainings and everything that we've been told about drug courts that people have to have some skin in the game. And they have to have some financial incentive that themselves 
to participate. So they do pay for their drug user fees. They pay for their treatment. We do have a foundation that supports us and we're very grateful to Doug Almer, who is the head of the foundation, the Drug Court Vet Court Works Foundation that helps us with bus passes and fees for recovery residences and parenting classes and things like that. But folks have to pay. You know, one of the things that we incorporate into their case management program is finances. You know, if you don't pay your bills, the electricity gets cut off. If you don't take care of your children, they get removed from your care. So we try to incorporate the financial end of their treatment program to incorporate as well. You got to pay for services. I've been talking with the team behind Allen County's drug court program, saving lives, changing lives every day. Following up on that last question, there are some really amazing national statistics on the amount of money a community saves when drug court graduates succeed and don't return to the legal system. The savings obviously aren't the most important part, but it's worth mentioning. Jeff, do you want to talk about that? Sure, John. This, this is uh, the last numbers I've seen from the National Drug Court Institute states that for every $1 spent in a drug court program, there is between a $2 and $4 return per individual who did not reoffend. That's $3,000 to $22,000 per individual who did not reoffend. Based on our, we did an outcome study, I, I think three years ago now, and uh, based on that outcome study, if you utilize that two to four dollar return, Allen Superior Court may have reduced the overall cost to the community anywhere between eighty thousand dollars to five hundred eighty thousand dollars per year, and that's over the span of a ten-year study. Just if I could touch on that, we had a forty-two percent successful completion rate. The outcome evaluation we'd done showed that the recidivism rate for those who completed the program was twenty-two percent. So, and I believe we did. We uh, looked at any arrest three years beyond their date of completion, and we were hard on ourselves. We didn't just look at new felony arrest, which, if you look at research, most recidivism studies just look at felony arrest. We looked at anything new misdemeanor arrest. We uh, didn't even look at convictions if they were arrested. We counted that as our recidivism. 22%, which is outstanding, uh, which means 78% of successful grads did not reoffend. So I took that number and you apply that to the $2 to $4 per individual, and you come up with quite a, a significant amount of cost savings for individuals who go through drug court, complete drug court, and do not recidivate. In following up a little bit with what Jeff was talking about, the savings to the community, which is significant and uh, we can measure, there's also a savings to the community which we have not measured, and that is those folks that go through drug court but don't complete drug court. And I know anecdotally from clients in that situation that they have learned an, a, an immense amount from the drug court program. And so even not completing the program doesn't mean you haven't benefited from the program. And it also means that the community as a whole has, uh, has benefited as well. So I just wanted to add that to the uh, comments that Jeff made. Thanks. That's a really good point, Doug, because we do have a lot of folks that don't complete and we get them back in a couple of years down the line and they tell us, I should have done this. I wish I would have finished it, but I wasn't ready for it. You know, those are the folks that when we do get them back the second time because they've they've been revoked the first time and then we get them the second time, they tend to be so grateful for the opportunity to try this again 
to try life again, to get a different perspective. Um, we've had them decline drug court, and I know that they've told you that they decline because they're they're not ready to lay it down. They're not ready to give it up yet. They they still have things that they want to accomplish in the using world. One of the things that we've had a client do recently was to write 10 things down that you are grateful for, 10 things that you don't think you would have accomplished had it not been for drug court. And when I look at this list, it's astonishing to me. Number six, I have a sense of security that I never felt or had in my entire life. I mean, how do you measure that? You know, how do you, how do you put a dollar on that? Number four, I can finally feel comfortable in my own skin. My mind is clear and I can identify and express my emotions. I mean, these are things that those of us that don't have an addiction, we just take that for granted. We take it for granted that we're, for the most part, comfortable in our own skin. I'm able to smile at the small things in life, such as a sunrise or a sunset, and I'm excited to wake up in the morning. So. Those are things that we see from our clients that aren't measurable. It's great to have the numbers that Jeff and Rachel have for us, but and I know that you talked about this earlier, John, but you know, I go in front of county council when they're trying to cut my budget and they, they want to know how much is this saving, how much is this costing, what is this doing for us? And I've told them a million times, and I'm gonna tell them a million and one times, I cannot put a price on the head of a newborn baby who is drug free. I cannot put a price on the joy and pride of a 53 year old man who gets his high school equivalency or GED, who never thought in a million years that he would get that. And here he is, he's griped at me the entire time he's been in the program about having to do it. But he now has this piece of paper that he is so proud of that he did on his own. I can't put a price on that. I can't put a cost on that. I can't put a cost on the savings to the community of a person who isn't going out stealing from Meyer or Kroger anymore. I wish I could because that would be an easy thing to say and to share with our county council people who candidly have been very gracious and generous with the monies that they have provided to us. So I'll get off my little soapbox here <laughs> that I just climbed up on again. but. I'm really proud of Drug Court, and I'm really proud of the work that our folks do, and I'm extraordinarily proud of the team of professionals that we have in place in this building and the professionals that have bought in to our program from outside of this building. You know, while we're talking about things that are, are hard to quantify or put a dollar figure on, Rachel, earlier you, you mentioned that you've got almost 1,100 graduates now, but every one of those people has a friend or a spouse or a child or a coworker or a boss whose lives they have touched because of the recovery that they've accomplished here. Talk about that for a second if you can. Yeah, absolutely. It really has. There's been so many drug court clients, participants, that while the course of the program, they were reunited with their family even. That's huge for a lot of people. They may not have been on good terms with their family for years because of their addiction, but then because they were able to get clean and they can show their family that they're they're making progress in their life, they've reconnected with them. We've had so many participants that have reunified with their children. We have a lot of people that come onto the program. They not only don't have custody of their children, 
but there may be a no contact order where they're not even permitted to see their children. The children could be in foster care or other family members could be taking care of them. But through the course of the program, they are able to unify with those children, many of them regain custody. And we've even had a previous graduations, the now adult child of a successful graduate speak at our graduation ceremony over what they feel like drug court and their mother being on the program did for their life and how appreciative they are that they had their mother back and were able to go through the rest of their childhood and their teenage years having their mother there with them again and you know those are the children and families are the big ones but you mentioned other people in the community and it's it's a lot employers a lot of them we've gotten letters and calls from employers stating how they've seen this employee that they've wanted to keep on and been working with has really changed and now they're going to promote them and they've become one of their best employees just a lot of different people are affected when a participant becomes clean and changes their life around and starts being back in a positive way in society Rachel mentioned, and I, I think we might have said something about this earlier, talked about past participants coming back to, to be a part of the program. I've seen speakers at graduations who are past graduates of the program, but one of your key folks, somebody who's been involved for a long time, does a lot of important work for you, started out as a drug court client. Talk to me a little bit about Albert Woodbury. I'll take that one, John. Um because Albert was my first client in 1998. Well, and Albert's been very open about this fact. In fact, he's talked to the public about this fact. Albert has come a tremendous long ways from 1998 to now. 98, when he was my first client, I think we only had about 15 graduates that year, and he was one of those. Well, he was one of those graduates the following year, I'm sorry. But we didn't have a big caseload, I'll just say that, maybe 20 or less. Fast forward 22 years, Albert Woodbury is an employee of Criminal Division Services. He couldn't be more happy about that and his own recovery and he is not only proud of himself as he should be we're proud of albert in recognition of what he's given back to drug court i believe correct me if i'm wrong rachel 2015 or so maybe a little bit before that we started to hand out what we call a, an albert woodbury award of excellence to individuals who have been fully supportive of drug court and have given back to the drug court albert's name is on that shiny plaque and we give that away annually the next one will be in may at the graduation and albert is standing right there next to me when i introduce him and he smiles from ear to ear as am i drug court changed albert's life and in turn albert has truly impacted hundreds thousands of others because of that i believe that he's not only our wednesday night men's support group facilitator he started that program several years ago so those are the types of things that will get you into the nomination of the Albert Woodbury Award of Excellence, which we've given out six, I believe, now. And I've been to enough of those graduations <laughs> to attest to the giant smile that you mentioned, and it really, it really says something about his pride, not only in what he did, but what he's still doing. He's well-loved. Uh, the clients, you know, over the years have continued to tell the case managers how much they mm -hmm. think of Albert. They call him Albie. You know, we, we also think highly of him as well. Now, for anybody who wants to, to feel this one, you're not just making an impact here in the community. When other drug court programs start up around the state of Indiana, they look to you for leadership and, and mentorship. 
They certainly do. You know, when, when our folks um, plead into the drug court program, I welcome them and tell them that you are coming into one of the best drug courts in the state of Indiana. And it, we are one of the best drug courts in the state of Indiana. And we have mentored dozens of startup drug courts throughout the state, as well as one in Ohio, where we have those programs come to staffing. They watch our staffing. We meet with them afterwards to answer any questions. They'll attend court sessions with us. They look at our policy and procedure manual. They have taken our forms. We were actually teaching at one of our statewide conferences on our phase system and our targeted approach to specific individuals and, and their risk levels. So we have been held up across the state as a, as a mentor. I can tell you, I know our case managers and our executive staff get lots of questions throughout the year. I get lots of questions from my colleagues across the state who are in drug courts, mentored that those particular programs, and I continue to, to receive questions from those judges and magistrates about things that are coming up within their communities. So we're very fortunate. And I'm really proud of the fact that we are looked at as a leader throughout the state and throughout the country, actually, when we're looking at other places coming in to answer questions and to provide feedback and just to basically model very good program for other folks to come in and look at. Since Judge Gold got off the soapbox a few minutes ago, I'm going to get on it. You're going to be graduating your 53rd drug court class in December. You do graduations twice a year and they are truly something to behold. If you're listening to this and need to witness a pure moment of human joy someday, I recommend watching a drug court graduation. It is a moment the likes of which you rarely see in a courthouse. Having watched a bunch of graduations, it's clear to me that graduation day means a lot more to drug court clients than just getting a certificate or perhaps a court case dismissed. In the minds and hearts of your clients, what does graduation mean to them? And also, and maybe we go around the horn here, what does it mean to you when those graduates finish the program and move on to better lives? I've been the deputy prosecutor on this program now for two years. And as the judge has mentioned, we get to know these clients. For me, there's a sense of joy as to where they've come from and the reunification with families and friends. And so I have a lot of happiness when we see these people successfully complete the program. Kind of piggybacking on what Trina said, these are folks that come from backgrounds of, of failure, failed home lives, failed jobs, unhealthy relationships, go right down the list. And after they've been with the drug court program for a year and a half or so, and they have graduated from the program, it's a celebration of the commitment that they have put into this program and the rewards that they've reaped from that commitment. Seeing their families, their parents, their brothers, their sisters, uh, their kids in particular light up, it's just unspeakably joyful and I'm very grateful to be part of it. Rachel. So I've been with Criminal Division Services for about 15 years, which means I've been involved in about 30 graduations. I have to say, still, after that many graduations, it is a 
tremendous thing to witness and be a part of. Judge Gall always asks the clients when they're coming up to graduate if they would like to say anything to the audience and you know some of them are shy and want to get through the line really quickly they don't really like the spotlight being on them but there's a really good number of the clients that come up and they say in their own words how drug court has impacted their lives, how the team has impacted their lives. A lot of them will say specific things about Judge Gall or they will say specific things about how much their case manager helps them. And then they'll go through the line and shake everyone's hand. And sometimes, sometimes you get goosebumps listening to the things that they say. This might be the first time you've heard it in their own words about what everything that drug court and the team has done actually means to them. Jeff. Well, I think for starters, it, it's, a, it's a sense of accomplishment for the clients. Like Doug touched upon it, there is something to be said about seeing the family members, many of whom you don't, as a practitioner, you don't see in regular drug court for a year and a half with their person, their significant other, or their mom, their dad, their daughter, son. But to see them at graduation and to see the joy on their face, it really is moving. Um, I would just add that we invite every one of those graduates to return to drug court, whether it be in a, a role of just saying hi, you know, many do that, or whether it be in a role of a mentor to help another new person coming into the program, and many do that. It gives me even more joy to see people after drug court still remain in touch with us because I know they've uh, taken the program and ran with it. It's rewarding to both parties. It really is. Last word to you, Judge Gull. I think when I and I look at our clients graduating and, and trying to look into their heart and their mind, I see hope. I see so much hope in them. We hear from the mom of the daughter who was near death, and the, the mom tells us as a team, thank you for giving me back my daughter. Thank you for the life of my son. And I look at them when they thank us for that, and I'm like, don't thank me. We didn't do anything other than create expectations. And I tell clients all the time, I have high expectations because I expect a lot from you. If I didn't expect anything from you, you would be doing the same crappy things you've been doing. So I see a lot of hope on their faces that they've completed something, but more importantly, they got their life back. They got their family back. They got their children back. They got their dignity back. So I see a lot of hope. I see a lot of joy. I see a lot of pride. And it's the best thing I get to do as a judge is preside over a graduation. There is no better thing that we could end on than that statement right there. Trina Gould, Doug Ulmer, Rachel Wagner, Jeff Yoder, and Judge Fran Gull, thanks for being on the program today. This program saves lives and changes lives every day, and more people ought to know about it. Life-changing. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank, Thank you, John. This has been In Session, an inside look at the Allen County, Indiana courts. You can find out more on this topic and others at allensuperiorcourt.us. Thanks for listening. The next episode's coming right up.